What's happening? What's up, Brad? Yours listeners. What is going on? It is Squeezer. This yes. weekend is Memorial Day weekend. Holy crap. It's kind of officially summer. And the, this is going to blow your mind, but the air conditioning is on in the RK household. RK Holy Enchantress household. How many sweatshirts are you wearing? <laughs> I have a long sleeve tee on. Nice. Uh, but I'm not bad. I'm not doing good. We have it down to 72. A, a, blisteringly oh. cold 72 wow yeah i uh so you just you just push a button and yours turns on well we have a nest oh yeah nice. so i just use my app to turn it on i have a nest too <laughs> it's in the little pocket in the windowsill by the air conditioner where the birds build their nests <laughs> uh, my yeah. house is like 100 years old so i still have a window units we, we we thought oh how cool would it be to put central air and then realize i'd be terrified to see what's inside these walls oh yeah and Probably. excited yeah i found old newspaper like, colonial that newspapers stuffed, uh, what's that colonial newspapers no 1928 okay that's pretty cool i'd like to but buy yeah it. it was like car ads and stuff uh for like model t's ah uh, uncle Bick model. stuffed them in your wall yeah but yeah it was pretty cool so anyway, it's it's officially the start of the summer season. I'm excited because you know how much I love the summer. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. a lot of cool shit coming out. We talked about the gums. There's a juicy fruit, uh, bomb pop gum that I bought. I've, I'll review and put on the website. Speaking of, uh, last week we talked about blockbuster movies and junk food tie-in squeeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got some good feedback. Uh, Raging Robot Party said he's sitting here in anticipation whether or not we mention Armageddon's nuclear chocolate. Um, what even is my life? Then he explained to me what it was, and I'm not going to talk about it here because I'm saving it for our next show (laughs) that we do about this. Um, And then he uh, sent me um, a picture of uh, some um, pork rinds, which I appreciate. Nice. Uh, We got some other feedback if you want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pretty cool stuff. Uh, Some people uh, dug the show. I posted the, the Jar Jar Binks. Oh, tongue lollipop. And I'm surprised it didn't get yanked for uh, inappropriate inappropriate content. Right. Uh, Silver Boyd, a good friend of the show, said, awesome podcast episode. I remember the Jar Jar lollipop. So creepy. You bet your ass it's creepy. Um, a lot of cool stuff. Uh, I know people uh, liked the Burger King stuff. They, didn't, they said we didn't mention the scratch and sniff watches. For the Burger King. You know what? It's I completely even forgot about him. But when I read that, and I'm like, that would have been, yeah, it would have been, it would have been perfect for that episode. We'll have to, we'll go back to it. The pork rinds, There's Ted plenty, Brothers. Plenty of time to talk about fast food. Oh, God, we have a thousand episodes to talk about it. Uh, our friend Ted Brothers quoted the Ninja Turtles movie, fight, fight, kitchen, kitchen. Our friend Covert Nerd said, they are so good, but oh, so bad at the same time. Um, Pop Culture Rewind, he gave us a nice shout out um, on his website. He posted um, 
from last week or two weeks ago when we when we did like uh, fads. Mm-hmm. He posted one of our things about the wacky wall walkers and said, I used to love getting cereal just for these toys. What's the phrase? If you remember these, your childhood was awesome. Thanks to at the rad years for making me think of these. You're welcome. Aww, yeah. Thanks. Uh, our friend and, um, well, 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 first I'm jumping ahead here. Uh, I posted the Batman cereal and a lot of people, uh, love that batfan.com still have a box of this sealed with the bank. Uh, Ferris print. I ate the hell out of Batman cereal. Remember kids, Batman says nothing helps fight crime better than tooth decay. Uh, so a lot of friends, uh, and Mantor in 1981 said, man, the things you forget about. Thanks for jogging my memory. Well, that's what we're here for, isn't it, Squeezer? That's the, well, it, it's almost self-serving because I forget a lot about this shit. And then I start digging. I remember one thing, and it just sends me down a, you know, the weird rabbit hole that is the rad years. And... Um, yeah, and that's... And then I don't end sentences. <laughs> well, you're, you're good at that, but... Uh... Uh, our friend at Thank. Uh, what? Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, but that's why we love you because you'll say a thought, then you drop a bomb and just go silent, and it's funny. It's it's, it's comedy. Uh, our friend, leave it to Bobby, who's also in uh, the the nostalgia game on Instagram, uh, posted. So I have a soft spot in my heart for tie-ins of all kinds. Shout out to the Rad Years for the latest podcast episode. I'm obsessed. And finding this gem made me oh so happy. Not going to lie, this literally is the same setup as Who Shot Mr. Burns, Butterfinger Contest tie-in. What do you all think? I was obsessed with that. Well, this was something with Friends, which I didn't really know. It was uh, Friends and I think, uh, looks like uh, Diet Coke. We Uh, watch a lot of Friends in my household. So I said, I, re- uh, I replied back, because I run our Instagram. I don't know if you guys haven't figured that out. <laughs> uh, well, why? Because if they look at mine, uh, how active it is. Yeah. So I said, you rock, like bedrock, like the McDonald's Flintstones movie Grand Poobah Meal tie-in. We're talking McRib sandwich, supersized fry, and a huge Coke in a Flintstones movie collector cup. That's how much you rock. They were nice enough to reply back. This is the number one best compliment I've ever been honored with. Also, a McRib with a large fry and Coke. Only in a collector's cup. Sounds so amazing right now. And if you know me, if you know RK and the show, you know that is my all-time favorite movie tie-in. I didn't mention it because I've only mentioned it a thousand billion times in the show so far. Yeah, That was like me bringing up Brave Land Star. Stalker, Land Stalker. Yeah, yeah. It's my... Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, if you want to hear, I, I wrote a blog about five more tie-ins, and that Grand Poobah Meal is one of them. And if you want to read about that, head over to radyears.com right now. You could also listen to the show out that link and find a link to where you can find all of our shows on your favorite podcast listening platforms. That's radyears.com, right, Squeeze? Yes, radyears.com. And today we're talking, well, tonight, today, whenever, this Memorial Day weekend, we're talking 1990. We're covering another year. I'm surprised that we didn't do 1990 yet. When you had it there, I'm like, no, we had to have done that. No, we haven't. We haven't done it. And it's a great year. There was so much to choose from. It was hard whittling down. Yeah, it was hard to narrow down for sure. But a lot of stuff, um, like particularly uh, I had already... 
I want to use the phrase burned. Right. Yeah, I already. Oh, know, I'm going apart. back to the well in this episode because if it it was things that were just so monumental to 1990, I couldn't just not do it because we mm-hmm. we talked about it already. But um, all right, you have your obligatory uh, gut wrenching, painful list of things that happened yes. in 1990. Everyone um, loves lists. Everyone loves hearing people read down lists of things. Right. You're going to leave off this list our picks. I hope. Right. Um, actually, uh, yes, I'm glad you sent those to me because right. it was on there. Oh, well, I mean, that's a good thing. Uh, uh, just means we... it was that awesome. Right. Um, yeah, I'm just digging around for info and I, you know. Right. So let's just go through the list and not try and bury the lead in our opening monologue. So go ahead, Squeezer, without okay. further ado okay. or any more gilding the lily. Uh, here we go. So 1990. It is the year of the snake. Uh, in a, in the Assyrian calendar, it's the year 6740. So if they were still around and brutally murdering all of us, we would be all dead in year 6740. Uh, and also, I don't know if you people are aware, it's the first year of the 90s. Now, I, I read somewhere that, you know, it's like, wow, these guys are great. They don't just read right off Wikipedia. I admit I pulled this one right off the top of Wikipedia that 1990 was the first year of the 90s. It sounded like something you pulled from Wiki. I apologize for slumming it. Uh, and there were 5.2 billion people on this planet. God. Yeah. Now there's... Like triple uh, that at least. Seven something, probably eight by the time we're done. Probably by the time you download oh, this. Oh, so not even nine. double? What's that? Not even double that amount is since then? Well, no. If we, <laughs> But if you think about it, we've been around for, you know, right. civilized people for, you know, 12 million years. And before that, what, 150? I don't know. I'm not good at math. No, uh, sorry. A thousand years. Uh, a I'm billion. not one for the mathematics of. All right. Well, let's not, let's not oh, go yeah, cog well, in this. I, Continue. I, I digress. In 1990, we got our first web server. Uh, the Leaning Tower Pisa finally closed to the public because it was leaning. <laughs> uh, uh, the whole Soviet thing was wrapping up because, you know, there was like a wall and then that came down. And then they built a McDonald's in Moscow. So everyone's happy about that. In who is, 1990, who they finally banned smoking in cross-country flights. Like, I was still amazed by this when we were doing, you know, the last when we were talking about... Uh, uh, fast food restaurants. Right. Uh, a couple episodes back. Yeah, smoking and was like, still everywhere. Me, I, like, it was so, like... I mean, I we're old enough where we remember those times when you go to the bar and you come home and immediately just strip down and the clothes go right in the wash because you don't want to... It just would burn your flesh if right. you woke up the next morning and smoke was in your eyes. But yeah, you just... In a tube in the sky with pressurized air and people are just lighting up uh nelson mandela he uh, got out of jail uh the voyager one uh sent back from 3.5 billion miles away the picture of the pale blue dot uh let's see oh the royal new zealand navy yes that is a thing okay uh, and this is sad ends their daily rum ration oh no so up until 19 i would have i would have served sign me up if you know Hey, kids, get out of high school, join the Navy, get some rum. I'm in. 
I mean, that should be a ration for all militaries, not just rum. Maybe in America, whiskey, because that's our, well, I mean, not scotch, but bourbon. Bourbon should be what you get in America for serving. New Zealand, yeah, they're pretty, those Kiwis are pretty badass, so they probably, doesn't even bother them. I doubt, and I doubt they're drinking Malibu. <laughs> no. Um, this, I'm amazed, was not on either of our lists, and I kind of blew it, realizing I, I should have been talking about this. And we talked about this, mentioned it in a previous show, the NES World Championships. Ah, began video game Armageddon. Yeah. Um, J.K. Rowling's. The Harry Potter lady? Sure. She started writing Harry Potter in 1990. Oh, fuck. So, yeah, so don't worry. If, you're, if your project isn't taken off quite yet, just, it'll get there. Well, that was like six or seven years before it was published? Uh, five. It five, was 1995 okay. right. it was released. Um, speaking of things uh, going off a little early before it, you know, starting early before it actually takes off. Yeah. In 1990, the FIFA World Cup was in Italy. Sure. And it was the first digital HD TV broadcast. Fantastic. In 1990. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, HD and digital, yeah. like a widescreen television was around way before uh, the consumer electronics caught up with it. Uh, CNN. Can, I, can I give a shout out? This is a little yeah. piece of trivia. Uh, my father was the first engineer to get high definition uh, signal working over cable. The New York Times wrote about him. Oh. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah, not saying that someone might not have done it if he didn't, but um, they uh, they were saying it couldn't be done, and he... Do you tell him that all the time when he brings it up? <laughs> he doesn't bring it up. Of course he doesn't. Yeah, so... He's a, he's a very humble man. He doesn't go on uh, and broadcast a show on the internet around the world talking about his childhood. No, but I'm going to get to that at the end of the show. Uh, I listened to a podcast. Oh, why not get to it now? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject. I listened to a podcast, um, and I'm not going to mention what it is because I don't want to give them any hype whatsoever. But basically, their whole podcast is, is centered around shitting on things you love. It's That's kind of mean. It is. It's basically shitting on bands people like. And I'm not going to... You could figure out what that is from that description. But... I heard about it. I listened to one and I was just so, I'm like, oh, fuck you guys. Like, you know, those who can't create, I guess, just try to destroy. So, I mean, I, I start to tear in and shit on all kinds of stuff that, you know, we talk about on this show, but I do. We don't really, love. though. What we do is we talk about things we love. That's what this show is about. All our topics are about generally things we enjoy. Yeah. I'm not going to waste my time talking about, so, I mean, maybe, you know, you know. The Soviet bloc, you know, shit on that for sure. But right, know, if but, it wasn't, if, but it, look at if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have Red Dawn. Right, but I'm like, music is such a thing that's so personal to people, and they love it for reasons that sometimes they can't even quantify. Sure. If you'd have just run a podcast, and I was like, okay, maybe it's a joke, and I listen to it, and I'm like, they're just negative, hateful douchebags. So fuck them and fuck their. So I'm I'm now. Oh, now we're falling into that trap. Snake eating the tail. Yep. Fuck them. But whatever. We don't. We're not gonna. We're not gonna get into that. Uh, Metal just, Gear Two came out this year. Speaking of Snake. Ooh. Uh, for Metal Gear Two. Was that on Nintendo or Famicom? Yes. Yeah, it was NES. Yeah. 
Was it Snake? Yeah. Yeah. The first Metal Gear, I could never get past the first screen with the dogs. Never played it. I didn't even like, know of Metal Gear's existence till Solid came out on so PS. Solid, yeah. I think that was the case with me, too. I played Solid, and then I like, <laughs> discovered back. it on a ROM. Okay. No. Uh, anyway, so CNN had this awesome show debut in 1990 um, called The Gulf War. <laughs> that was a big hit. You kind of talked about that. In the 1991 episode, how yes. CNN uh, kind of enter- like entertainmentized the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, they were the only ones that uh, stayed in the hotel room and had a broadcast. Uh, I watched uh, a movie HBO a did with uh, Michael Keaton. Yeah, I remember that. It was a good movie. Yeah, it was good. All right. Anything with Michael Keaton is fantastic. He's really great. All right, continue. 1990. Um, uh, the uh, transatlantic uh, internet line, the TAT-8, failed. Oh. So they, their internet speed slowed. Um, I don't know if people immediately took to what was that of the internet, just a bitch about it being slow. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Gorbachev won a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, uh, Super Bowl Twenty Four happened. That Joe Montana guy uh, and the 49ers beat the Denver Broncos. Uh, here, here, this is a, uh, Montana, Montana, uh, this had to have made some money. The Reds swept the Oakland A's in the world series. I'm sure, uh, commercial, uh, commercial time was at a premium there. Uh, uh, Buster Douglas knocks out Tyson in 1990. Crazy story. Sega Genesis, uh, after that happened, or not Sega Genesis, but Sega of America. We talked about this when we were with our. Um, our, our episode about console wars and uh, with Blake uh, Harris and um, so Buster Douglas knocks out Tyson a fluke. No one thought it was going to happen. Tyson is a fucking madman. Uh, we both have dealt with my, Mr. Mike Tyson in our lives. Uh, he threatened me, so I've got that going for me. Uh, and we know what a force he is. So Buster Douglas beats him and he's like the biggest athlete in the planet because at that time point Mike Tyson was and mm-hmm. Sega wanting to beat Nintendo with Nintendo having a Mike Tyson game Mike Tyson's punch out like we're going to make Buster Douglas boxing because we're knocking out Nintendo mm-hmm. so uh, month before the game's release they want to announce it after his next fight I think it was a Vander Holyfield uh, Tom Kalinske of Sega is is out watching this at the bar Buster Douglas shows up so fat and out of shape and gets his ass beat. And they're like, <laughs> yeah. fuck, what do we do? This is right after Kalinsky came on the Sega team for the Genesis. Mm-hmm. So they just released the game. It was a good game, so it sold. But it wasn't the game. It wasn't the killer app, as they call it nowadays. Yeah. But it's just a funny story. Buster Douglas is now being repped by our friend Jane Newman in England, selling autographs for $13 a piece. So, Oof. yeah. That's uh, all right. Continue. I'm sorry. Uh, Phil Taylor won his first of 16 world championships. Wow. Who is this? And uh, he, he plays darts. Oh, <laughs> duh. How could I not know who Bill Taylor is? Phil. 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 My bad. Phil Taylor. Sp- speaking of Phil, I have his t shirt. Ni- <laughs> speaking of Phil, in 1990, Phil Mickelson won the U.S. amateur in tennis. 
in golf, Ryan. <laughs> Phil Mickelson is a golfer. Uh, I one thought of the, the top-ranked guys in the world now. I thought the but U.S. in 1990, he was an amateur. I thought the U.S. amateur was tennis. Sorry. It's that, too. Oh, it is? Yes. Oh, shit. Look at me. There's, if, you know, you play a sport and there, it's an amateur tournament in the U.S., it's the U.S. amateur. I know things, Squeezer. <laughs> uh, and the Edmonton Oilers won the Stanley Cup. Ah, uh, snap. Dale Earnhardt won the Winston Cup. Uh, the cigarette cup. Was uh, this the cigarette not, cup? This isn't I the guy who honks Mountain with. Dew, right? What's that? This isn't the guy who honks Mountain Dew, right? No, he's been dead for seventeen years. Right, his father. Oh. No, yeah. you're right. That's what I was asking. Yeah. It's not the guy. It's the father. One. Yes. Back in 1990, the yeah. the one who honks Mountain Dew is probably just a child. Uh. If he was even born yet. Sure, we don't know that. Uh, Adobe Photoshop 1.0 was released. <whistles> yeah. Uh, the Hubble was put into orbit. The Human Genome Project began. That ran from 1990 to 03. Wow, I'm kind of pissed I didn't... For someone who uses Photoshop every day for every aspect of his <laughs> life, you think I would have yeah. picked that? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's a very important thing for me. I, I see why something else is because I have on my list something awesome found and I had to scratch that out. So it's a teaser. Well, I mean, you know, Photoshop was created by uh, Thomas and John Knoll, right? From uh, Industrial Light and Magic. I, I knew it was an ILM right. uh, uh, byproduct. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and now Adobe, I mean, my, my computer is made to run Adobe programs. Yeah. So, I mean, I, big, big up to those guys. Photoshop is very important. Now that now people make apps based on what Photoshop does mm -hmm. and, and the, these guys do lots of research throughout the years to make programs do it. And then apps like rip it off. In like yeah, if really it wasn't for that, you wouldn't be able to slap a puppy dog face on yourself with big googly eyes. Right, exactly. Photoshop paved the way for all those Snapchat uh, filters and all the other filter apps. But uh, I, we're... Okay, continue. Uh, a Chinese road crew... This is like one of those things that I dream of being a part of. A Chinese road crew found 10, 000, more than 10,000 terracotta statues like while like digging for a road, like going back to the Han Dynasty. Wow. That'd just be awesome, like some Indiana Jones shit. Although they're probably gonna all die from some horrific thing from inhaling whatever air was entrapped in there, some hantavirus stuff. Right, they're probably carved out of like meteorites too, mm -hmm. alien. Uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, I don't know if you heard uh, Jurassic Park. It was a novel written by Michael Crichton. Um, one of my favorites. I'm going yeah, to start that, reading it. It's a thing I read every June. I'm going to start reading it soon. Um, Roger Waters performed the Wall live in Berlin. Uh, um, yeah. which I guess is pretty cool, but it, I guess you should know you wrote it. So like, you know, it's not about a physical manifestation. It's the psychological manifestation also, of a wall, but it, sure. Not that I have um, a, uh, not that I have a stake in this mm -hmm. or a dog in this fight, but isn't he also very like anti-Israel lately? I haven't really paid attention. I only attention, know because I listen to Howard Stern and Howard kind of hates him, so... If you're, if you're like, I'm I'm a David Gilmore guy myself, so sure, that's fine, yeah. Um, Guar released Scum Dogs of the Universe. Nice. Yeah. Uh, 
so Sinead O'Connor uh, with Nothing Compares to You, Madonna with Vogue, and Vanilla Ice with Ice Ice Baby all were on the Billboard uh, number one spot. Uh, the Simpsons debuted their first, air quotes, episode right, uh, the in 1990. Simpsons roasting on a open fire. Uh, no, Bart the Genius. Oh, Bart the Genius. Oh, yeah, the, right. That was, genius. yeah, true. They, true. they pushed the Christmas episode ahead. Right. That was 89, uh, yeah. Fox Kids and uh, Disney Afternoon uh, both debuted in this fine year. Right. I and was, we also got uh, I, I In was, Living Color, Wings, Bob Vila, Home Again, and Captain Planet. I very much wanted to take Disney Afternoon, but... Um, I think that's a show in itself. Yeah, that's a show in itself. Exactly. Uh, box Office, number one, Ghost. Number two, Home Alone. Number three, Pretty Woman. Police Academy, the comic... Uh, was canceled after its sixth issue. No. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Uh, we also had the uh, Extinction Agenda, which gave us the X-Men, X-Factor, and New Mutants all together in uh, one arc, first time. Uh, Fantastic Four. You know, you always complain that you haven't gotten your Fantastic Four movie you want yet. Yes. What if? What if? I think right now you can make a successful Fantastic Four movie if you based it off of issue number 347 which gave us hulk spider-man wolverine and ghost rider as the fantastic four hell yeah you could uh and then yeah like, oh i said metal gear 2 mega man 3 we also got neo geo dr mario and game genie game genie the most important thing in my life personally i could never well, well, you know I suck at video games. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yes. But as long as you enjoy while you're playing it. Yeah, I do. Uh, well, I think now's a good time to start the show, don't you think? And the show started so long ago. Well, half hour in, we should start the, the main topic. We should actually talk about our picks from 1990. And I'm going first. So I'm going right now. I'm going to get it started right now. And... um well, here it is. Millie Vanilli did demonstrate a lot of guts in showing up at a press conference in Los Angeles last Tuesday to confront a room full of reporters who were definitely out for blood. Here's what Rob and Fab had to say, and a few words from Michael Green, president of the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences, the organization that dispenses and, in Millie's case, revokes Grammy Awards. That's uh, Millie Vanilli at a press conference where they had to give back the Grammys they won. <laughs> if anyone doesn't know the story of Millie Vanilli, there's these two German boys from Munich who couldn't speak English, but they, I guess, looked good for the time. So record executives just hired them to be faces and had other people perform their album and perform on stage, and they just lip-synced. Someone from, I think, MTV noticed, uh, like, their first interview for the channel, that they had such, like, hard accents that they, they like, there's no way that this could be them on the record. Mm -hmm. And um, people started looking for it. So in July of... Uh, 1989, that's like when the first like crack happened. But uh, it wasn't until 1990 when they really all just like sh like blew up in their face. Um, was that was that when a track skipped? 
Right. The track skipped. Uh, and uh, they just continue to pretend to sing and dance. For girl, few... you know it's girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl, you know it's true. Oh, you know, girl, you know it's girl, you know it's yeah. And um, they uh, just pretended to sing, and then they just ran off stage. They did a an Ashley Simpson. Mm-hmm. But to be fair for her, she was just lip singing on SNL, which happens all the time. She really performed that track. So uh, downtown Julie Brown has stated that fans didn't really give a shit or notice and the concert just continued and then the march 1990 issue of time magazine uh pilatus one of the milia vanilli proclaimed himself to be the new elvis reasoning that by the duo's success they were more talented musically than bob dylan paul mccartney and mick jagger dude yeah. dude look when you when you know what you're doing lay low right so uh i i don't know what your remember like what your uh memories i'm sorry of millie vanilli are but to me everybody talked about millie vanilli in the summer of 1990 oh yeah it was the running joke at school it was yeah and at the same time i also loved i i'm gonna admit i i did enjoy an occasional track or two um, I didn't because I we really and my household didn't listen to pop music unless Delilah spun it and she really wasn't uh, spinning. God. That's what my mom would make us listen to. But I did. I had no idea what lip sync man, meant. I didn't know that it was like synchronization of lips to music. So I would just be like, ah, oh, they're lip syncers. You know, that was something you would blindly accuse people of. You fucking lip syncer. You know. Uh, but yeah, I never was a fan of their music. I never heard their music, so I just knew I knew a Millie Vanilli, but I didn't know what their music was. They uh, they did sell CDs. They won Grammys, which they had to give back. And That's my favorite line. Yeah. So uh, we we give these back. We now? give these back. They're sitting at a table, and they're just like, <laughs> "We give." I guess we give these back now. A couple <laughs> of fucking Nazis. Uh, but yeah, they they forever ingrained themselves in pop culture history. One one passed away, correct? Committed suicide, yeah. Oh shit, really? Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't know that. Wow. Man. Just that goes to show you kids, don't lip sync pop music. That's not that good. <laughs> you Set could me up for that, you dick. <laughs> you used me. It could, it could lead to you killing yourself. Uh, but Millie Vanilli, I, I know that that summer, I'm just thinking most of these picks remind me of the summer of 1990. And we talked about Millie Vanilli quite often. But moving on, Squeezer, let's, uh, let's, let's take a look at your first pick. This guy definitely was not lip syncing. Well, as far as I know. You can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Super freak. Super. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. His song goes dun 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 This song goes dun 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 Rick James hated this song. I bet. Hated the sample. Uh, thought it was absolute trash, and then told his uh, staff afterwards 
that uh, no one is to use sample his songs uh, ever again. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Um, so not, not so much the you can't not, not so much the song, um, not so much the amazing album work that is the uh, cover for the single of "You Can't Touch This." Um, the parachute pants. And then, um, but the music video for this, uh, I watched ad nauseum. And nauseated I was because it, it's cut like a Michael Bay film. Uh, so music videos, it, it's a full, it's just four plus minutes of dancing. Um, very fast, rapid pace, MC Hammer, uh, running man hammer dance kind of stuff but it's cut so fast between different scenes you would have sworn it was the first transformers movie and occasionally they do like i don't know how they did it in particularly for this video because it wouldn't it would be some amount of work and i doubt they were going to put that much effort into it but they rotoscoped some stuff out and then just had like neon pants being thrust in your face uh, were you a fan of the Hammer Time cartoon? Yeah, I mean, I watched it. I know. I remember being on like I was like on a sugar high after eating my fifth like gallon bowl of fucking uh, uh, Ghostbusters cereal at that point. Hammer Man, it was Hammer Man. Yes, um, I I didn't understand why his shoes were talking to him. Well, why? Well, I, mean, um, I that's Deke, of course. They had to make. It, it aired 13 episodes on ABC, but that was 1991, so. Uh, it was directed by Rupert Wainwright, who... The music video. Aware, what's that? The music video. The music video. Right. Uh, so he, he did a bunch of music videos for, you know, other, like Michael Jackson and other big stars at the time. Uh, but he has three movies on uh, to his credit, one of them being Blank Check. Great movie. Uh, great movie. Stigmata. Uh, yeah, and then um, the, the fog, fog, which is pretty much critically accepted as the one of the biggest piles of horror trash of all time. Just right, he was he was disaster. attached to a Waco movie for years. Yes, but it can never. It was in turnaround. It can never get. Uh, yeah. Now it's too late because uh, Nat Geo already did it. So I think. <laughs> them they did it in a mini series so um in 1990 it was the mtv uh it was the vma best rap video oh well duh what video. else what, what else could be well it beat out humpty dance and just a friend oh for really rap video. wow those were way better songs but <laughs> well not. here here but here's the thing so it beat out the video for best dance yeah or it won best dance video yeah um it lost uh, for choreography to... What? Yeah, but it lost it to Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. Okay. If you remember that, and it's like the uh, Orwellian-style militarized, uh, you know, uh, post-apocalyptic uh, kind of thing. Almost like a Judge Dredd before Judge Dredd uh, movie came out. Right. Um. But the fact that that one best dance video compared to that, watching Rhythm Nation, that video is awesome. It's impressive. Yeah, it is. That, that's like a skate away song times 10. Yeah. Um, 
but it, still, it, you can. I mean, it was probably so politicized, and they—that's the why they have so many damn categories anyway, so they can, you know, it's all about just pushing the album anyway. It's no one really wins anything. It's just a big marketing ploy, and to this day, it still is because, I mean, it's made all the top. 100 lists of songs in the 90s it makes every countdown show and you know it's integral and it kicked off what is you know the 90s when you think about it like that the whole look the sound the feel of it uh you know you can't touch this pretty much you i would put that in a time capsule uh and send it in the space just to let people know this is what the 90s look like i mean I wouldn't, but I'm I, saying it's a good thing. Right? Yeah. Well, well I mean, it's it's kind of true, but I don't know if I'd want them to. I would put I would put Clerks. That's yeah. A, that's a look of the '90s that's kind of true that I can get behind and be proud of. Well, sure, but if the aliens found it, they go, "Wow, these people are assholes, and they curse a lot, and and they don't really do anything." <laughs> Um, but still, whereas I, I would give clerks the aliens, they'd see, they'd see, can't they'd touch see, this and see, video they're, and be like, wow, this frenetic. place is awesome. Let's go, let's go. They they could let's really go like, take some e and party. Go back and forth across the floor like really quick. Uh, That's my, that might be how they all walk. Actually, they might not think anything of it. Right, like those aliens actually walk like hammer dances. <laughs> Probably right. And they that that might be the bridge where they don't kill us all. Oh, these people are like us. They're they're one and the same. That's the the similarity. Hammer is our uh, envoy to the aliens, just as Dennis Rodman is to North Korea for us. And what could go wrong? Absolutely nothing. All right, Squeezer. In 1990, what do you think was the highest grossing independent film of all time? Hmm. You well, probably... I already said this earlier in the show. All right, we're going to have to edit that out, too. But Why? I'm kidding. Uh, oh. You all know it. You all love it. Here it is. Get ready, America. Company's coming. What the heck was that? Look like sort of a big title in a trench coat. So get out the orders. Watch your manners. And get ready for the great green adventure. It's kind of like moonlighting. And I thought insurance salesmen were pushy. I love being a turtle! Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Rated PG. Now playing at theaters everywhere. Ah, oh, I love being a turtle. And I love this movie. It's still one of my top ten of all time. Oh, absolutely. To this day. Uh, this movie was made for $66 million, Or I don't know what it was made for, but it made 66 in the foreign box office, 135 domestic. It's a lot of money for... And this was made independently. Uh, Jim Henson's um, Puppeteers, their workshop made the turtle costumes. I fucking love them. And he was all butthurt mm -hmm. about the violence in the finished movie, which led to that piece of shit second movie. Yeah. Speaking of people who are butthurt about the violence, Judith Hogue, who played April, who was really good in the movie, didn't come back on because she was just complaining nonstop about the work schedule. It would, they worked, they did six days a week and it was probably long days. 
and the amount she didn't of, have to put the damn suit on. Right, I know, right? And the amount of violence in the movie. Uh the um, Robin it Williams says ninja in the title. Right, I know. And they have weapons. Fuck. <laughs> Jesus. Uh I I don't know. I just love this movie so fucking much. It's so dark and so cool and just so fucking fun. Um the raft in the beginning, like going out and putting the trench coat on and uh walking around uh New York City. This this is such such a New York City movie, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like as much as Ghostbusters is a New York City movie, this is just as much. In fact, the that's one of my favorite stories when they were shooting that scene and uh Tony Scott walked by. Right. And asked, What are you guys shooting? It's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's like and just rolled his eyes yeah, and whatever, right. and yeah, just whatever. walked away. Yeah. Uh, toward the end of the movie, one of my favorite lines is one of the punks yells out, uh, check out the East Warehouse over on Lairdman Island. A little shout out to the turtle creators, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, their comic book that started it all. Oh, look at yeah. that. Yeah. I I just wanted to be one of those kids in that warehouse. Oh, yeah, that was so much it, fun. Like yeah. looting trucks, playing arcade games. Drinking all the soda and you possibly could fucking want. Uh, Sally Quentin Tarantino's longtime collaborator, Sally Menke, uh, made her debut on this film. Don't know if you knew that. Oh, no, I did not know. Uh, well, so, you could tell it's cut beautifully. Right. And, and it was weird. Like, the guys in the costumes were kind of slower and, like, cumbersome compared to uh, everybody else. So the dialogue scenes were shot at 23 frames per second. So when they're played at the 24, they and um, they kind of like were a little bit sharper. And the fight scenes, no were even, shit. Yeah, the fr- fight scenes were even cranked down to like 22 or 23 frames per second. That is brilliant. Yeah, it was just a little filmmaker magic. Um, huh. Kevin Clash, Elmo fame. Yep. Perform the puppet of Splinter. You talked about that in the show already, so we don't have to go into that. Uh, a lot of the studios uh, turned down the distribution because um, they were worried about the sh- the piece of shit that was the Masters of the Universe film. Mm-hmm. Not that the movie was a piece of shit, but that financially it was a piece of shit. Yeah, and that was only a few years. That was only like three years prior to this. So no one would finance it because like oh we don't care if the cartoon's popular. Masters of the Universe was that partygram and it fucking was horrible. Yeah. Uh, New Line was a, at the time. Imagine this: a small independent production company called New Line Cinema, <laughs> uh, which at that point had only been known for dis- distributing dis- distributing low budget B movies and art house fare. Decided to make a little gamble on this movie. Fucking New Line's one of the biggest studios in the planet now. But it's funny how at the time they made a gamble and this probably paid off big for them. Could you imagine a world where if they didn't? Right. Like, it was integral. Like, the the cartoon would, yeah, it it was great and so was toiling. But without that movie, it kind of it cements it as it legitimizes it, right? It absolutely does. Uh, the director Steve Barron, I think you might have mentioned this. He was fired at the end of production. 
because producers thought the film was just too fucking dark. So we'll never know exactly what would have been the final cut. But wow. thank fucking God he was involved at all because it could have been Secret of the Use. Yeah. It could have been like that Michael Bay movie where they looked like alien fucking, I don't know, jackasses. Is there any yeah. other way to describe I, them? I don't, I don't know what they are. I, not turtles. Not turtles. Uh, what's funny, I always loved about this, they get a Domino's pizza delivered and they don't want to pay <laughs> the guy because he's under 30 minutes. Yet Pizza Hut had the marketing tie-in with this movie at a cost yes. of $20 million to market in this movie. Yet there's a Domino's pizza in the movie. But what can you do? Movie's made. Uh, nowadays, they just like composite now, it out. Now, well, now they would have been scrambling, paying $20 million just to get the box on screen first. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, man. There's just so much about this movie that's so cool. It's so dark and and just so fucking good. Uh, yeah, it seemed, it was... When you say when it's dark, it, it, it is a mature movie. But it's still very kid-friendly. But, it, but it's still, like, we appreciated it. it. It didn't It didn't talk down to us. Yeah, exactly. It took itself... It was very earnest, and it took itself... It took us, itself and the turtles in general very seriously. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't. I think it helped push the ninja. This movie helped push the Ninja Turtles to the peak of popularity, uh, which was kind of all led to the disappointment of the second movie. But in the way, I still loved it. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I, I'm I'm not cheating on any way, but yeah, there could. You, Late down the line, down the road, as an adult looking back, you realize the difference between the two movies. Well, well, this first movie was heavily like there's like, I think, six stories from uh, the comic books, the the Eastman Laird original comic books that they Mm -hmm. they kind of blended into this. Um, The origin story is all from the comic books. The Casey Jones and Raph storylines straight from the comic books. Um, the Foot Clan, like like critically wounding the turtle. This is from the comic books. Um, the fight in April's home was from the comics. Uh, the turtles, and these are all the best parts in the movie. The turtles mm-hmm. going to hide out in April's farm. Uh, that's from the comics, and then returning to fight the Foot and Shredder was all from the like. Those are big like stories in the Eastman Laird run. So. And those are so like really gritty and dark and really, really crid from um, the Frank Miller run of Daredevil, the man without fear, like the hand, the foot, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's that's why they were so good. Uh, And then for the the second movie, I don't know where the fuck they went. They went, they decided to create from the cartoon. Yeah, they they were making, they were selling action figures. Yeah, yeah. Which the reason why they didn't do Bebop and Rocksteady still to this day? It makes no. I well, yeah, they need. They were already selling the Bebop and Rocksteady. I guess let's get two more guys. Two more guys. Which I yeah, I remember being so disappointed. So like you're anticipating. You know, Bebop and Rocksteady are coming. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, the Ninja Turtles movie.
Ooh, this is good music. Yeah. What is this fantastic. from? Fantastic. Uh, Crystallis on the oh, NES. The Nintendo. I had friends that would like talk down to me about playing Final Fantasy and said, this is the game you should be playing. Well, well, they were right. They were? I figured. Well, here's the thing. They're two different games. Final okay. Fantasy is an RPG. This is an action RPG. This is like a, it's like a grown-up Zelda. Uh, you can't just hack and slash your way through and stumble across the map into each, uh, each dungeon. No, this, you, there's problem solving. You actually got to think. There's critical thinking involved and there's a story that unfolds and if you don't unfold it the right way, you're going to just wander around in circles trying to figure out how to turn on a damn windmill like this kid did. Hi, Schmuffin. My Schmuffin's back. Hi, Schmuffin. Welcome to the show. She's back. Um, I I love this game. My So my, my one of my friends growing up, he had this game, and I'd play it from time to time, and I wasn't as smart as he was, so I wasn't very good at it. It wasn't until years later when I like had rebuilt my collection I was able to actually play it and enjoy it even more um and actually even get past the damn windmill um but yeah i i absolutely adore this game and if for the nes it looks gorgeous um what sets it apart like why awesome would you play it? this over zelda or final fantasy if i had to pick one to play at any one time no i'm just saying like if you had the three like what what makes you want to pick crystallius uh, Crystallis. Crystallis. Yes. Um, probably, like, I, I like to explore, um, like, a world and go from, like, town to town and check stuff out, um, and as well as, like, interact with the world around you in those kind of games. Like, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I like my Fallout games and stuff like that. Oh, right, right. Like, um, and I, I kind of like get lost in that. And in this, it's kind of like that. So you you have there's eleven different towns across ten uh, map areas in the game, and they all have like different shops and inns and different tasks to. So it, it feels like very deep, and at the same time, it also has that action element where it's not uh, turn based. Um, the con- the fighting is a little more similar to Zelda, where you have your your, your sword oh, okay. and other weapons and stuff like that. Uh, and you ha- you have your sword, and there's you know you have your four different elemental swords: your uh, wind, fire, water, and uh, thunder. And then at the end, spoilers, uh, you combine them, and that's crystallis, which is the ultimate uh, crystal sword, oh. which you have to use to uh, defeat your enemies. Uh, and what's cool about it is, even though just by glancing at it, it's your typical medieval um, RPG, action RPG. Uh, and even based off the cover, it kind of looks similar to that because you see like the sword and the shield. But it's actually a post-apocalyptic, post-nuclear war game uh, that you're playing in. So they, they play with time a little bit where after the war, they ban science because they blame science for creating that <laughs> so they use so they return to magic oh and like so the world I think is that's now what our current administration is trying to do it's not far out i i you know i'm i'm let's try it I, fuck it i'd be a wizard 
Yeah, right. I'd be a mage. I'll get my my bean bags and my hood and go to a uh, uh, what the hell is that thing called that we we're gonna go do? Larping. Oh yeah, yeah larping. I'll, I'll, we are I'll, going I'll to larp, larp a, soon. Uh, I'll larp a wizard. You know, that's been like six years we've been talking about larping. I know. I know. We've yet to larp. Well, since when did uh, was it Grown Ups? Yes, Grown Ups. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, whenever Paul Rudd inspired me to, you know, oh, he's so so damn yeah, charming, so dreamy. Um, but yeah, so you there's now wizards, and instead of scientists, and your guy, they unfreeze you because you were a uh, wizard from the past. Oh, uh, of course. Pre-war. Right. And you're the one that they have to wake up, and you have to stop the one wizard who started combining wizardry and science and tries to take over the world. Um, very tough game, especially for uh, a, a dummy like me. And uh, the other kind of an issue was a lot of stuff had to be done in a very specific order, um, like the whole windmill thing. Like starting a windmill, you had to go to this one guy before you could, before you can go to him, you had to buy this thing and you couldn't talk to this guy or know he even existed until you bought this thing. So you didn't know you need to buy this thing right. for this guy because he didn't exist. Right. And so it's a little. It had to be in an order or, or it wouldn't work. Yeah. Um, but right, it's just right. a fun game to explore. And uh, if, you know, you want to fire up a, a ROM or go to a. a show or a yard sale or a flea market and you find crystallis in my in my pick it up and play it and it's worth it just to have the cartridge for the cover art because it's just so cool looking though and in, in in my what i found at shows it's not hard getting to find yeah it's yeah. out there yeah i got mine i've had mine for some time all right let's uh try this on for size squeeze there's something new in Gotham City. It's Batman! Like you've never seen him before. Figures and vehicles sold separately. Lassie Duds, Batman. My tech shield suit protects me. Even against this sludge, your poison can't hurt my tech shield suit. Bye, Batman. Think again, Joker. My Batcopter, fire Get him! Ah, where does he get these great weapons? You're finished, Joker. Tech shield Batman, Batcopter and Joker sold separately. Part of Batman, the Dark Knight Collection. So, it wouldn't be a Ryan, RK Ryan pick rundown if it didn't have a Batman on it sure. or a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The kid botched the line, by the way. What's that? The kid botched the line. What did he botch? When he's like, oh, he's look at all these wonderful weapons. Toys, I know. Yeah. He did. He botched the line for the movie. But, yeah, I guess you couldn't say toys when you're selling toys. Sure. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe that's Sorry. what... That's what there was probably the marketing logic. So, in 1989, when the Batman movie came out, which was fucking amazing, not only did they have cereal, which we talked about last week, but Toy Biz put out a line of action figures. They released Batman, Michael Keaton's Batman. They released the Joker, and they released the Bob the Goon, because fucking A, man, you need Bob the Goon. They put out the Batwing, the Batmobile, the Batcave, and then they started re-releasing recasts of the old Kenner superheroes line uh, with Robin, Superman, Penguin, Mr. Freeze, a bunch of guys. We all know this story. We talked about it. Mm-hmm. We talked about first how... First episode. Yeah, it was first ever episode. It was, it was Rad Year's history. It's what caused all of this. 
Then uh, in 1990, Kenner got the license back from Toy Biz, and they were like, fuck this, we're putting out some badass Batman toys. And they put out the Dark Knight collection. This was to try and bridge between the first and second movie. They couldn't start putting out toys for Batman Returns yet, but they had to put something out. So they started putting out Dark Knight Collection. The, the boxes had Jack Nicholson and... and um, help me out. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. We just talked about him. Michael Keaton's face on them as Batman and the Joker. They did no bomb the goon, but they released two Jokers. I have the rare one and the really cool looking Jokers. And then I, um, they put out a lot of different Batmans, and they put the Bruce Wayne that actually looked like Michael Keaton, and they repackaged a lot of them for Batman Returns, so you could find them in Batman Returns cards. But the Dark Knight collection cards are a little more rare. Uh, they put out a Batmobile which had the coupe over the top, mm-hmm. which I I explained before meant a lot to me. They put out a lot cooler Batcave, and then the cosplay equipment was fucking awesome. Utility belt looked rad. They had that sonar gun. Just Kenner really took this line and, and made it what Kenner does best, like good and like fucking viable and playable. Unlike mm-hmm. that piece of shit, like Toy Biz garbage. Which, don't get me wrong, now I love and cherish the fact that I have all that Toy Biz stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the time... And, and at the time, it's what you had. At the time, what you had. But when the, when the, when the Kenner stuff point. came out, it was like... Going from Chevys to fucking Cadillacs. Mm-hmm. So that 1990, the Kenner, the bridge between the first movie and Batman Returns, the toys, the Kenner Dark Knight collection. Check it out if you don't know about it. There's a lot of cool Batman toys in there. Uh, and uh, let's move on. Squeeze your next pet. Remember me? I'm the kid that had a report to on space. Then I got the new Encyclopedia Britannica. He had a report due on space, and then he got the new Encyclopedia... I think I made that abundantly clear. Um, yes. Anyhow, here it is. I mean, hey, everybody knows this is the greatest encyclopedia in the world. Help me get a B plus. Why not an A? Too long. I found so much great information, I put it all in. Overkill. Hmm. The next report I did was for my science class on the human body. Scored an A. Uh, good. Look at this. I always wondered where my mandibula was. Mm-hmm. For details on how you can own the new Encyclopedia Britannica... Let's have that 800 number. Excellent. Just call this number and we'll send you this free booklet. Tell them about the gift. And just for previewing Britannica in your home, we'll give you this three-volume desk reference set. This is like God, having a research that. library at home. Oh, we all wanted yes. a desk reference So if you desk would be interested set. in owning the new Encyclopedia Britannica... Don't press. They see the phone number. If they want to, they'll call. I guess you're right. Trust me. Apathetic. Oh, and did they call? Apathetic before apathy was cool. Mm-hmm. He was he was the original. That was like that was like late nineties and nineteen ninety. Yeah, Don. His name is Donovan Freeberg. Okay. Uh, he's a photographer now. His father is Stan Freeberg, who produced and VO'd that. So it's a father son team. Best teams in the business. Yeah. Interesting fact. Donovan Freeberg is the ex-brother-in-law of Carrie Fisher's younger brother. Fuck. Yeah, I dug deep on that one. I think it was worth it. Do you miss encyclopedias? Um, yeah. I do as a kid. There's something about it. Right. It's it's a double-edged sword. There's something, again, you know me, I'm a tangible kind of guy. I like to peruse the volume. And it's something different just... Looking through pages and stopping and finding something. There, there was something like, about oh, cool. 
like that that abridged version of knowledge that exists where that like if like if I remember like something we used to go to Rehoboth Beach in Delaware as a kid mm-hmm. and finding like that half page on Rehoboth Beach with a picture like that was like my happy place I'd go down in encyclopedias pull out because I'm I like the beach I like summer we talked about this I'd mm-hmm. pull out like like the R or Delaware I forget what it was in go open to that page and like read that half page and look at that picture uh I and I that was like a happy place I did that with a lot of things with encyclopedia we had world book not Britannica mm-hmm. and we also had Charlie Brown encyclopedias Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, we had, we had a yeah Britannica, but it was definitely not the earliest issue. It was whatever older one that you would definitely that would be cheaper. Right. Um, yeah. The the downside to them it, it's twofold. One, they eventually outdate themselves, so you can spend a shit ton of money on books, and then you know science changes history changes like we learn new things and we interpret things differently uh and the other downside is and this is something i didn't think of until you know i was much more uh in tune with the world around me there's still editors to this these volumes so it's not like it's this absolute fact it's people still determine what facts go out there right so so say what you want about wikipedia but you know yeah, absolutely. The Wikipedia could be wrong as shit sometimes. Right. But or it could be very biased. But if you go through and take the effort and, you know, dig a little bit deeper, you can find a source or you can you can now Google something mm-hmm. and find a, a particular source. And if that source is biased, you can do it again and click another link and find something different, cross reference it and just do your own research. And that's kind of what you have to do even more now than ever. Um but there was something about, yeah, just looking like a smarty pants with a big rack of heavy books. Um, that was kind of cool. 1990, the highest in sales for Encyclopedia Botanica, they sold 120,000 volumes. Good God. Yeah, of this damn thing. Now, I'm sure a ton of them went to schools um, and libraries, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, then they also started doing the uh, their online or not online, but a disk based service uh, to uh, go up against Encarta. And then, yeah, they also tried the uh, online thing. Um, for me, it was all about this commercial, though. It was that a cool commercial. Man- mandibular line kind of just stuck with me for uh, the last 28 years. I don't know why. I don't know why if I find it amusing or what, or it's just, it worked. It worked. If, if this guy was hired to do this commercial, he succeeded because all I know is I will know what a mandibular is because of Encyclopedia Britannica. I don't know what it is because I don't see what he points to, but I'm assuming it's something in the human body and it's in the Encyclopedia Britannica. Yeah. And I should call for my booklet. Now, something that would have not been in the 1990 Encyclopedia Britannica, but probably in maybe 91 and 92, was a big event in 1990. And I remember seeing it on news and uh, right before school started again and being obsessed with it all throughout the beginning of school in 1990. And it was this. Now from Washington, Sam Donaldson. 
It may be the custody battle of the century. Scientists, Indians, the U.S. government, they're all trying to lay claim to a bunch of old bones. Well, not just any old bones. These bones happen to be 65 million years old. In the midst of it all is the man who dug them up in South Dakota. For him, it was the find of a lifetime. Now, he could wind up in jail. Sylvia Chase has the amazing tale of the fight over a dinosaur named Sue. So the biggest thing of takeaway from that is that in 1990, Sam Donaldson was still referring to Native Americans as Indians. <laughs> <laughs> so remember this in 1990? It was the summer leading oh, yeah. up to that year. It was in August in uh, the Cheyenne River Indian Reservation in South Dakota. Uh, they found the largest uh, 90% recovered specimen of a Tyrannosaurus rex. This motherfucker, the T-Rex, stomped all over America, motherfuckers. So fuck. If, if you want to say, make America great again, take us back to... 65 million years? 65 million years ago when T-Rexes were stomping around. Actually, I don't think they were, were they? Were they Cretaceous? They were the last. They were like... They were. The last, at the end of it. Uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex... So they, they, got, they got that big knock on the head with that asteroid oh probably if anyone did they were um uh, let's see i'm on their wikipedia page cretaceous yeah they're cretaceous 68 to 66 million years ago yeah right. remember jurassic park was now 1993 which was 15 years ago so oh. that that feels like a million years doesn't it yeah so you take that 65 and add three, one to three. I don't, I don't think you really have to change that. One to three. No, um, you did, the math checks out if, if you think about it. Doesn't it not feel like one to three million years ago that that movie came out? One to three million. Yeah. That yeah, does. So I don't want to hear it. Anyway, Sue Hendrickson discovered this fossil and it became a thing. Uh they were everyone was fighting over the rights to this this uh, dinosaur, and the government just wanted to come in and take it. Fuck. No, not them. Yeah, the FBI was involved. Police were involved. It looked like a crime. It looked like people on the news were saying it looked like a dinosaur was actually on site, like a live dinosaur with the amount of police. <laughs> and um, it actually, in 1997, it sold at auction with Sotheby's for 8.7 million dollars to the Field Museum of Chicago. Wow. A lot of people cast it to make, you know, because it's so close. It's the closest we'll ever get to an actual mm -hmm. T-Rex. So I know there's one at Disney's Animal Kingdom. I never saw it, but um, apparently uh, there was a traveling one that McDonald's sponsored. Uh, it was, just, of, of course, a cast. And um, Sue uh, was 28 years old at her time of death. Uh, according to the examination of the bones. That's impressive. I know, right? Uh, um, an injury to the right shoulder region oh, of Sue. 28? Or is it 27? Shit. 27, I know, right? She, she was in the Cobain-Hendrix deal. Yeah. Uh, damaged shoulder blade and a torn tendon likely to a struggle with uh, prey and three broken ribs. So she was like fighting a stegosaurus or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, she survived. The, it indicated that she survived the incident. Her left fibula is twice the diameter of the right one, uh, 
probably due so the to the bone healed an infection. Yeah. Okay. Um, original reports of this broken bone were contradicted by the CT scans showing there were no fracture. So that's why it was probably an infection. Okay. Okay. Uh, multiple holes in the front of the skull were originally thought to be bite marks, but a subsequent study found these areas to be infection instead, possibly from an infestation of an ancestral form of Trichinomus galline, a protozoan parasite that infests birds and ultimately leads to death by starvation due to internal swelling of the neck that can't swallow. Ah. Yeah. The, which further, these guys were basically giant birds. Yes. Uh, and then damage to the back end of the skull was interpreted early on as a fatal bite wound, and then uh, they found no bite marks. So just damage, trampling, postmortem trampling. Oh, okay. Uh, the tail vertebrae are fused in a pattern typical to arthritis due to injury. The poor girl had arthritis. And it's oh, believed... She was a fighter. Right. It believes she also suffered from gout. So too many, like, rich, like, liver foods and... Probably beer. <laughs> so they never really agreed on her cause of death, but she is still quite famous. So Sue has the same diet as I have. <laughs> right. Just be- beer and clams. Right. Sue, come on. She's probably going to die the same way, too. Tra- hey. Trampled postmortem. <laughs> the, I, I want... I want people to fight over my bones 65 million years from now and for a uh, news broadcaster to uh, be a little racist and referring be, to the be, people be who a little, are search, fighting at, over. At the time, it's yeah, right. I know what they. Yeah. Um, wait, who what? So who ended up selling it? Who won that fight um, between the, the tribes, government? So the Black Hills Institute. uh obtain a um, permission from the owner of the land, Maurice Williams, to excavate and remove the skeleton mm-hmm. and paid $5,000 for the remains. Williams later claimed that the money had not been for the sale of fossil, but only to them to remove it. Uh, Williams was a member of the Sioux tribe, which, you know, and he, the tribe claimed the bones belong to them so eventually uh so the guy who owned the land was part of the Sioux tribe and the tribe claimed they belonged to them uh but the property the fossil was found on was held in the trust by the u.s department of the interior so the government thought it was theirs in 92 the fbi and the south dakota national guard raided the site where the black hills institute had been cleaning the bones and seized it the government then transferred the remains to the South Dakota School of Mines and Technology, where it stored it until the legal dispute ended. After a lengthy trial, the court decreed that Maurice Williams of the Sioux the, Tribe retained The guy ownership. who owned the land? Right. Because as a beneficiary, he was protected by the law against impulsive selling of real property. The remains were returned in 1995. Williams decided to rema- sell the remains, so the Sioux Tribe got the $8.7 million. Gotcha. From the Field Museum of Chicago, where I believe she still is. What a mess. Yeah. Or... Just goes to show how important it is, though. Yeah. Yeah, they learned a lot from those bones, so. Knowledge is power. Speaking of knowledge, uh, your next card. <laughs> Where are you going with that? Yeah, knowledge. <laughs> power. And like maybe Tom, I 
to a drug clinic. You know? I got in a taxi and went to treatment. Yeah, but like they said, they said our tattoo is on our butt, and that is a lie. Our tattoo is right here. This is and not our butt, Dennis. That yeah. is not our butt. That is, like that is not our butt. Really the bad. media is scum. They're not yeah. even people. Like, they shouldn't be treated. We're gonna win. We're like really mad and everything, you know? We're ready to fight. Yeah, we're I'm ready fight. to fight. Yeah, we're ready to fight. Because, like, we're really mad. No, stop, stop, stop. Turn it off. Turn it off. Uh, nothing says knowledge is power like Chris Farley's ass. Absolutely. So in 1990, SNL went through some changes. And this is when, so I was, I probably started watching around uh, 90, 91. And something about it spoke to me. And it's because what critics would later pan these following years as just being crude frat boy humor who doesn't I love think that? I we talked about this. It talk, it spoke, this was us. Right. It spoke to like seven or eight-year-olds. Yeah. So in, it was season 16 of SNL is when they started making these changes. And, uh, you know, the cast kind of rotate over the years where they come and go in, in, in mass. And this was one of those years. But what Lauren Michaels didn't want to do, like what had happened previous years, was dump the cast, bring in new people, and basically have to start from scratch. They kept some of the older cast on and brought in some new guys right? Um, and kind of mixed them in uh, before these new guys took over. So you, you had Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman. Genius. Genius. Jan Hooks. Genius. Victoria Jackson. Genius. Dennis Miller. Well, was a genius. Mike Myers. Genius. Was a and genius. And Kevin Nealon. Genius. And super genius. Right. So then in 1990, you bring on board Chris Farley. Super genius. Tim Meadows, Chris Super Rock, genius. Super Genius, and Julia Sweeney. Super Genius. All right. And then uh, eventually uh, you also had Rob Schneider and David Spade were Wonderful writers. Wonderful genius people. They moved them up to cast members. And then it wasn't 1990, but 90, in uh, February right. of 91, Tell so season 16, Adam Sandler joins the cast. Oh, God. Um. This is what we and grew I mean, up on. Yeah, I mean the, these are these are names that are, I mean they're all superstars now if they're alive. Unfortunately, um, it was really hard for me to get a clip because I of course I want to do something with Farley because um, who didn't love him? But it's he's such a visual comedic actor. It was I like I had like the Chippendales one, the Schwarzkopf one. Because uh, I was trying to pull something just from 1990, but it was, uh, God, I was just watching SNL clips all night, just from back in this day, right? And just laughed my ass off, and it was great. And there were some bombs, of course. Of um, course, we, we've had our fair share. Oh, absolutely. Um, and you know, they can. It, the problem is they couldn't edit like um, you can. Uh, Why? Also, this was. Uh, Oh, yeah, believe it or not, people. Um, it was, wait, live? Yeah. What, are you messing with me? No, I'm joking. I, just, I knew oh, it was live. Oh, because it's in yeah. the name, right? It's, it's in the Saturday name. Night live. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. 
Conan O'Brien actually left the show. Uh, to work uh, on? To work on The Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Rob Smigel uh, had left, but he still ended up, still did a, a TV Funhouse uh, Give sketches. back my show. And uh, Bob Odenkirk uh, had been a writer. Uh, Better Call Saul. Left. Yep. Uh, uh, Robert Smigel just directed the latest Netflix movie with Sandler and Rock. The week, the week of, with Ronnie the limo driver. Stop the clock. Oh, I, I sorry. I started reading down a, a list of uh, all the uh, the hosts as well of season season sixteen. Fucking. Oh, they had George Steinbrenner on. That's never a good idea when you bring on people like that. No. Uh, but then you also had Patrick Swayze. That's where the classic Chippendales uh, one came from. And, of course, uh, you know, John Goodman made a, made an appearance. And it was also that episode was the first time we met Pat, um, which I'm sure would probably upset people nowadays. But Pat was fun. Of course. Uh, Oh, that's right. Sting hosted. And then, yeah, the Kevin Bacon episode is when uh, uh, Adam Sandler and Tim Meadows uh, first joined the cast. And the episode was the first time we met Stuart Smalley. Yeah, this was one of my favorite seasons. Stuart Smalley, former governor of Minnesota. Yeah, he actually left. uh, Al Franken left this season. Was it after the season? But then made guest appearances thereafter because i guess he right. made a movie and it bombed yes and Stuart smiley saves the world or whatever after. yeah he didn't get any uh real like promotion support or anything like that Be- oh yeah uh, that's right uh john lovitz had also uh the big the big ones were Nora dunn and john lovitz uh left the show uh that's and that's that kind ticket. of it def- definitely a changing in the guard there i love john lovitz but it's it was kind of, i think that was important to the show changing character right but man what a cast what a cast what a year for snl at 1990 while it was a great year for snl and there's some great movies and great tv shows i now present to you what i feel is the more some most important thing that happened in 1990 Super Mario Brothers 3 Squeezer. Yes. A game we have never talked about on this show. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure. It's, it's pretty awesome. No, we've talked about everything on the show. Oh, okay. This came out in the second month of 1990. So it brought out a, uh, it came out with a bang, but I didn't get it till that summer of 1990. So when we're talking Milli Vanilli, when we're talking uh, those SNL episodes, when we're talking like, like like the Dark Knight collection toys. Like for me, all in mm-hmm. the, the Ninja Turtle movie, all of this happened in this great summer. We're, me and my brother were hanging out with our buddy Vince down the street. He had this cool clubhouse in his yard, but he had this basement with Nintendo. And he had Mario Brothers 3 at the beginning of the summer. We didn't get it till like July when our birthdays hit. Yeah. So we got to, you know, watch them play it. But fuck, this game, it, it kind of like, like came onto the world like in this movie, The Wizard with Fred Savage. Mm-hmm. His his little autistic brother played it at the end of the game. I'm sorry, the movie. And everyone was like, holy shit, Mario 3. And even in rental, 
like the rental was out before this movie was out. We're like, holy shit, the new Mario movie. And this just spawns so much cool shit. There was like graham cracker cookies. There was like sodas, juice boxes. There was even, and we talked about this on the show, a McDonald's Happy Meal. Look who's popping into McDonald's. It's Mario from Nintendo's new Super Mario Brothers 3 game. For just $1.99, a hamburger Happy Meal comes with a jumping Mario. Or Luigi on a cloud. Watch out for a Koopa Paratroopa. Or a little Goomba. There are four different toys, one with each Happy Meal you buy your kids. But hurry, these toys will go fast. McDonald's Happy Meal, just $1.99. So... Uh, I had these happy meals. I still have on my desk to this day the little Goomba that flips. Mm-hmm. These were so cool. The boxes were so cool. There's those old old style Happy Meal boxes. At the fury for this game, everything was so cool. Every you wanted everything. Um, yeah. And in September of 1990, a show premiered. Uh, there was the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, which featured Captain Leo Bono in the live action Mario, and that was like. Kind of that was a really cool show, but they incorporated a lot of Mario Brothers two into it. But mm-hmm. then they they decided to reboot the series as the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers three. That is still my favorite of all the series. Uh, and to take this show full circle, it featured an appearance from the one and only Millie Vanilli. So many tonsils in all my life. Bring it on the rain. Yeah, yeah. Bring it on the sky. Woo! Go there. Hey, how come we don't get this kind of applause when we do good plumbing? Such such wise crackers. Such a caricature of Italian Americans. Right, I know. So this the show started off with Mario and Luigi in tuxedos, red and green, of course, and mm-hmm. Toad stolen one. And uh uh Princess comes down dressed like your typical nineties girl in a Millie Vanilli t shirt. She's like, We're not going to any opera, we're going to a concert. So they're there and people are screaming and that 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 the ding noise you hear was them throwing a rose to Peach. Meanwhile, King Koopa wants to kidnap them so that little um, Koopy Pie can be a rock star. Chaos ensues. The Millie Vanilli goes into the Mushroom Kingdom, and they're rescued by Mario and Luigi. Uh, but yes, Millie fucking Vanilli was in the Super Mario Brothers three episode or show ep- an episode of the Super Mario Bro- Super Mario Brothers three Super Show. Fuck, I can't talk. It's on YouTube. You can watch it for free. Enjoy. It, it's one of my favorite. Just. Her screaming Millie Vanilli. Right. Her oh. just fanning out, fangirling. Mm-hmm. This game was so cool. I still, Squeezer, love playing this game. Oh, absolutely. It's, oh. I mean, it, like I said, I've talked about before, this got me through college. I played, th- this was, this is all we play. this and uh, Ninja Gaiden for Xbox. Uh, but this, I mean, we had our NES and that's all we would do is we just, Drink Rolling Rock and play Super Mario Brothers 3 all day. Right. There's, we occasionally go to class. <laughs> there's something about 
this game, which just is, is so much fun. I remember <clears throat> I bought a Game Boy Advance just because Super Mario Advance 4, Super Mario Bros. 3 came out in 2003. Um, you, I, I downloaded, I remember when the iPhone first came out, I hacked it and downloaded an, an emulator just so I could have Super Mario Brothers 3, which is vir- virtually unplayable with the touchscreen, on my iPhone. This is just a game. This is just a game that's it's, it's so playable constantly. And if, you, if you're listening and you're like, I've never played Mario 3, fuck, hmm. just do yourself a favor. The, the carts are ubiquitous if you have a Nintendo. If not, get a ROM and a controller. Or get like, I think on June 29th, they're re-releasing the S and the NE, I'm sorry, the NES Classic. So hopefully you will be able to get one and play it. It's, uh, I don't want to say perfect, but it's as close as you can get to a perfect game. Absolutely. If you are going to say a game's perfect and this is what you base it on from perfect, Mario 3 is perfect. Yeah. Uh, it's just, because games are supposed to be fun to play. Yeah. Above all else. Right. And they're supposed to be challenging, and it's both. It's both. Uh, and just creative and, and visually appealing. And I don't know what it was. Cause I, you know, I, as you're talking, I pull it up just to have some, you know, visuals, some background info just to, you know, coincide with what you're saying. And, I mean, I've seen this for 28 years. I saw it on my birthday because that's when I got mine. And basically that ended the party. I got it. We went up to my room, me and my friends, and we played Super Mario Brothers 3 while everyone else had cake, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. Um, Party's over. Yeah. Uh, that The cover art is gorgeous. Iconic, yeah. The yellow background with just uh, I, uh, a, a version of Mario, a, a version of Mario we never have seen before. Yeah. It, I'm, the, I'm looking at it differently for the first time ever now. It's yeah. just, it's, it's simplicity, but it just, it's stunning. It is. It's it's really one of the greatest pieces of video game art ever. Just art, period. Yeah, I love it. And I'll never not love it. So, 1990, that summer, was fucking aces for me. And speaking of perfect, your next pick... Also ranks up there with Quite Perfect. Treasure of a Lost Lamp. 1990 gave us DuckTales the movie Treasure of the Lost Lamp. It also gave us DuckTales. Oh, right. yeah. Yeah. Um, but this... I, I, I love this movie. I, we had it on VHS. And uh, it's up there with Ninja Turtles as one of those movies I probably have seen more than anything else just because i had it so early and that's just watched it i'm wrong constantly ducktales was 87 i thought that was wrong oh yeah no no yeah the, you I, said disney I, afternoon came in 1990 but i guess i guess we just watched mm-hmm. syndicated versions of it before they gave it disney afternoon proper 
I'm, I know we talked about it. Right. I don't remember. I was, was going to say, I'm like, I had the DuckTales game way before Mario yeah. 3. Yeah, it was definitely because this was an upgrade to the animation uh, to a point. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's sad. We talked about we started off the show talking about people shitting on stuff. Uh, but they in doing my research for this and, you know, looking up, you know, just watching some old clips of it, watching people critique it or do the reviews or talk about it. And I came across plenty of love, but there's a lot of hate for this movie. And it made me so sad. Because it's not like that I felt judged by liking it, that I feel people are missing out that, not that they're not watching DuckTales, what, right. whatever. The fact that they, that you're putting in the energy to, to hate to rip, something to that's hate just it. supposed to be so when simple. You really and could just love it. It's fun. Or, or nothing. It's a fun yeah. movie to love. And it, it looks gorgeous for the first 10 minutes. Um, and when they, they Christopher Lloyd's using, in it. They stopped using any shading. Well, um, they, they, was, they CG shaded it, yeah. Just um, like um, when you watch the Simpsons movie and you're like, fuck, this is gorgeous. <laughs> well, they had a movie budget. <laughs> yeah, well, they ran out of money uh, 10 minutes in on DuckTales the movie because oh, then it just goes flat yeah, and it looks yeah. like a cartoon again. Yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. Right. Um, but he also but it, put it, out his torch, so that's when you get rid of all that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Way to work that in. Yeah. Right. Retcon that. Sure. Um, so it, it's the story of, you know, Uncle Scrooge and the kids, uh, Huey, Dewey, Louie, and Webby, and Launchpad's there, too. And it starts off with this just awesome Indiana Jones epic adventure into this pyramid where um, they're looking for the treasure of Kali Baba. And then, uh, what's the word you like to use? What oh. ensues? Chaos. Oh, uh, yes, chaos. Did you say chaos? I thought there's something Adve- else there. Adventure. Adventure. Um, anyway, they're uh, Murloc the Wizard, who is brilliantly voiced by uh, Christopher Lloyd and his servant Dijon. Um, uh, so they trap Scrooge and the kids in there and... Uh, steal the treasure and all they escape but all that's left is a worthless lamp that uncle scrooge lets webby have because you know he has like a little heart you know so yeah keep it it's not worth it to him he wants the treasure of kali baba he's waited for he's been looking for this for 40 years and as he says he'll spend another 40 if he has to turns out this lamp is a magic lamp if the uh you know and uh, there's a genie in there. Genie, voiced by Rip Taylor. Um, and so, you know, the kids start making their wishes. They, you know, wish for, like, their toys to come to life and all this stuff. Um, but eventually, uh, Christopher Lloyd catches up to him. And it really gets epic at the end, um, where uh, Dijon uh, wishes... Uh, well, Dijon gets the lamp, wishes to be the richest man in the world, and now Scrooge is locked out of his vault, and it's Dijon's vault now, and then uh, eventually I'm going to MacGyver this. Um, it's just this awesome scene with the vault floating in the sky, and uh, then Scrooge battling uh, Christopher Lloyd, and you know, 
saves the day. I'll just stop there. I'm rambling on about plot. Go watch DuckTales, Treasure, the movie Treasures of the Lost Lamp. It's worth it. It's awesome. And you don't need me to explain it to me, to you. It's it's funny you mention... Uh, <laughs> I started rambling. No, no, squeezer. It's funny you mention... Uh, I get excited. You, you do get excited, but I don't think you're... How much rambling. I love this movie. Uh, it's funny you mention uh, genies. I recently saw a um, tweet by dinosaur dracula and he said he was talking about the new summertime ranch cheetos stars have you seen those i i have not no and he said summertime ranch cheeto star sounds like something i'd like murmur as my third wish to a genie <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm butchering it. i'm trying to find his actual his actual message but it was there. I love if you're a fan of what we do, Dinosaur Dracula, Sexy Armpit. There's just a lot of people I mentioned earlier. There's so many good people who do it uh, also and just give them love because we're a big community and family who just want to revel in, you know, good shit. All right, here it is. Here's his official. Summertime Ranch Cheeto Star sounds like something you mindlessly blurred out as your third genie wish. <laughs> it's true. Well, Scrooge's third wish was for Genie to become a real boy. Oh, yeah. Um, some interesting stuff here. So it was uh, Mission Impossible, the 1996 movie, completely ripped this off. Um, the whole scene with Emilio Estevez in the elevator. Okay. Uncle Scrooge did it first. Scrooge did it first. Yeah. When the, the, the Simpsons did it line, I'm going to start using that with DuckTales. DuckTales did it first. Our friends at, uh, oh, I had that when they started out. We are already up and running, uh, which means nothing. But they were like, hey, just so you don't think we're copying off of you, you guys are doing all the great topics. It's kind of like a Simpsons did it thing. Uh, we're not trying to copy you, but it's gonna we're going to cross over a lot of things. I'm like, listen, you guys and... Uh, they're good friends of ours now, but I'm like, listen, um, you don't have to. You don't have to tell us that. You probably do it more intelligent, with less stammering and rambling, <laughs> and a better grasp of the English language. So that's that's always a plus. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I mean, I would go on Dinosaur Dracula just to, you know, research. So yeah, but I'm, I was talking about. Oh, I had that. I know. I'm saying we do the same. I oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, even before Dinosaur Dracula was Dinosaur Dracula, Matt ran X Entertainment from like the early 2000s on, and half the shit you see on YouTube, like old floats, were from his transcodings. So he's also in our industry. So um, interesting uh, fact: this was the first movie under the Disney Movie Tunes brand. Oh. Um, was it the last one? Is, no, no, no. Well, here, here's the problem. So they thought this was going to be huge, uh, and it wasn't. It, wasn't. it only made $18 million at the box office. Um, and, I mean, it still made its money back because um, it was produced over in, in, in Europe. It was uh, uh, drawn at in uh, uh, Walt Disney uh, French, uh, France's studios. Um and for these guys, like it was their big in, like uh, to do a movie. 
but they did it under uh, movie tunes. So it's not, it's still a Disney movie, but it's not uh, Lion King. You no, know, no, it's not. It's not Incredibles Frozen, two, right. which is on track to make a billion gazillion dollars. Um, but what the studio ended up doing was, so the idea was that they would use it for their smaller properties or their take any of their cartoons. That I think that was their or, original thoughts for Marvel too. Yeah, and like uh, any direct-to-video stuff is done under this label. All your sequels, um, pretty much like notice. You don't really see like The Little Mermaid two and three and Cinderella two and all that stuff. Aladdin two, Return of Jafar. Aladdin two was a big one, so it does all the direct-to-video sequels, and uh, it's just, I mean, Ducktales is the perfect uh, movie to start off with this because it really is just a big money vault. Uh, that, you, that it is because that you uh, swim in. That you swim in, yes. Which I'm pretty sure that would just basically compress your spine and skull all in the one big pile of mush. And for a human, but and, not a duck. For a human, not for that's true. Not Ducks an anthropomorphized, anthropomorphized duck. Yep. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I think we had a good. We're almost two hours in squeeze. Uh these these year shows. Well, to be fair, I like to list things so that takes a half hour right and we like to go through an edit so once i take out all the edits we'll be about 45 minutes <laughs> when, but, when uh you cut out the fact that don't forget that i blurted out the millie oh. vanilli thing uh right off the bat in the show right you you like buried my lead and me i just played the wrong theme song clip too i don't know if you didn't notice that but yeah you 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 killed a couple. You 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 blurted out my Millie Vanilli and my Ninja Turtles thing, right? I even have them written down right out the get go. But fuck it, we we it's had what it. What I do, I ruin things. And we we made it right. No one at home knew you ruined it. Um, nope. So, uh, if you liked last week's podcast about our our movie tie-ins with junk food, go on to radiers.com to read our latest blog about five more movie junk food tie-ins that you might be interested in also uh, follow us on instagram at radiers and uh, email us if you have any ideas for shows we'll be back next week with more uh retro goodness because we love you and we want to keep your beautiful minds stocked full of this wonderful stuff right squeeze yes well for this week i'm rk i'm squeezer you have a good night <laughs>